ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Salty Pastor Podcast. Do you want a deeper understanding of the New Testament Bible and how it gives answers to issues you face each and every day? Then the Salty Pastor is for you. Dr. Douglas Peake is the lead pastor of Foothills Christian Church for over 24 years and in full-time ministry for over 33 years. And he is the one who will be our guide to a deeper knowledge of Jesus and what he is doing in our world today. He is the Salty Pastor. (laughs) Thank you, everyone. Hello. I want to welcome you to this podcast because it's important for you to know. It's for those who want to know who you really are, why you're here on this earth, and what it means to be a powerful follower or disciple of Jesus Christ. And I'm always excited. Um, every week we start a new series. Every uh, week we start? every <laughs> week. I, I am excited for the weeks when we're starting a new series. There you go. <laughs> uh, it's important to clarify that. Um, yes. And this one's exciting because we're studying the book of Philippians, one of my favorites, and it's titled Hashtag Blessed. Mm-hmm. Our question is this. How in the world do you experience a blessed life when the world around you is unraveling? Yeah, and on Tuesday we jumped into the first chapter of Philippians, and every Tuesday we do kind of an in-depth Bible study of the text that we're going to be preaching on in the coming Sunday. So if you really like to do an in-depth Bible study Tuesday or the odd-numbered podcasts, always... Oh, I forgot to say, this is our 30th episode. No way! We are, we are cruising up the numbers. Wow, 30 episodes. 30 episodes wow. in. So. That's pretty cool. I did, I did not realize that. Wow, we're getting to be uh, old, salty dogs. I know. <laughs> <laughs> At least one of those three things. <laughs> well, in the first uh, uh, podcast on the first chapter of Philippians, we saw that Paul was writing to these people he really loved, from prison. And even though he was in prison, he was very affectionate. He loved him a lot of joy in his life because of them. And so one of the reasons why he was able to do this is because he knew exactly why he was alive, his whole meaning for existence. He understood it. He defined it. And then he encouraged them to experience the same thing by following his example. And so regardless of whether he even talks in there a little bit about people doing things to try to spite him. He says, but if they end up doing the right thing, what do I care? You know, they're preaching the gospel and that brings me even more joy. So he really put himself in a win-win situation. And what that did is that really helped us start to understand where authentic happiness and joy come from. And we started to scratch the surface of how these principles help people discover authentic happiness in their lives mm-hmm. on Tuesday. Um, I would like to go deeper today. You stated that people struggle to find happiness because they mm. haven't been able to define the reason for their existence. Could you expand on that? Well, these, these are kind of some abstract thoughts. So let me uh, connect a few dots for you guys. And that is simply this is the print overall principle is that when you define the reason for your existence, you know who you are. Right. You're, so that's an identity question. Right. And, and if people who struggle with who they really are are people who really struggle in life. Right. There's a lot of emotional, intellectual, spiritual issues that will constantly crop up in their lives. So defining your reason for existence is really important because and then what it does is it, it elicits out of you two very important things to help you become more self-aware and the first one is this you have to define what does it mean to be a human being so you can't really 
understand your own existence until you understand why human beings exist. Now, there are basically two definitions of why human beings or what human beings are. The first one comes from the Bible, comes from the revelation of Jesus Christ, and then it's recorded in the scriptures. And that is this, is that we, you and I, and everybody listen, we're created in the image of God. Now, this definition explains free will. So it's a rational explanation of why we have free will. It rationally explains the importance of love and why love is such a significant part of our existence. It it talks about where reason fits and rationality. I mean, it sees the potential of humanity as in general, its capacity to grow and to innovate, explore, be adventurous and do things. Uh, this definition, though, also explains our imperfections and how those things influence us each and every day. And what it does is it says that we, unfortunately, even though we've been created in the image of God, and so much of the good things about us come out of this being created in the image of God, we've been tainted by a thing that creates imperfection in you. The Bible uses a very general term called sin, and that sin uh, warps, perverts, and allows you to be deceived what all of these really great things inside of you uh, are meant for. Okay, so that definition kind of is, is this is why human beings exist. And this is why Jesus Christ came in order to break the power of sin and death in our lives, bestow his righteousness upon us so that we can then walk in and live in the, flavor, uh, the favor and blessing of God. Right now, then there's a secular definition. okay? and the secular definition comes from secular humanism, atheism, uh, naturalism, scientism, you know, these types of things. You can throw an ism on the back of any noun and you'll figure it out. (laughs) And many people today adopt these positions without ever thinking through the implications of it. You know, like most people that I've met over the 33 years of full-time ministry who say they are atheists always start with a story of a negative experience with, well, I prayed to God or I did this or these people treated me this way. And and so, which I find really interesting is that that's not a rational way to come to a conclusion. There's a guy named Frank Turek. He wrote a book. He says, I don't have enough faith to be an atheist. He does an excellent job showing how atheism as a rational postulate requires an immense amount of assumptions, right? That are unprovable, which is rationally called faith. Right. (laughs) So, but what's interesting in the secular humanism view, people adopt it without ever thinking through the implications. And the implications are that this position believes a material world is all there is. And if you rationally conclude that, your conclusion must state that there is no free will. Human beings do not have free will. Okay, we are deterministic. Uh, Sam Harris, uh, a a famous uh, uh, atheist philosopher, has written on this extensively. Love between human beings is an illusion. It doesn't really exist. And that's probably why other famous uh, uh, atheists like Bill Maher, Richard Dawkins, Christopher Hitchens have an incredible history of misogyny, sexism, and mistreatment of women. You know, and none of them have had good 
have track records at all that say they treat women with respect, honor, and love, which right. I think is really fascinating. Um, so the first thing you have to do, I guess, is define which one of these definitions you're going to buy into. So if you want to find out, you know, who you are and clarify your reason for existence, you have to pick a definition of hum why human beings exist. And then what you do is you have to orient yourself within that definition, right? And what that basically means is, is that since very few people are actually tasked with practicing self-awareness or self-evaluation and thinking about it, they, they never come to any conclusion that brings confidence and courage and strength and security in the way they approach wife, life. Uh, uh, C.S. Lewis called it this. He, he called it men without chests. And what he meant is that what you're, we are to do as adults is we're to stand up straight, stick our chest out, and march into the world. You know, not fearful and insecure and filled with despair and nihilism. You know, we are to be people of courage and strength. We have spines. We get up, we tackle stuff like that. And you can't do that if you can't orient yourself um, in your sense of purpose. And you can't orient a sense of purpose unless you've defined what it means to exist. Right. right? And you pick one or the other. And this is... Uh, comes down to what I say a lot, and that is the definition you choose to use deep down is what you actually believe about yourself. You see, and what you believe about yourself and what you believe is one of the most important things about you because it influences your decisions, your behavior, your attitudes, how you respond to bad things, how you respond to good things, all your relationships, how valuable love is to you. Do you even know how to love? Are you a narcissistic, selfish control freak? Or are you a person <laughs> who really actually is emotionally bonded to another person that you want to commit to and have a covenant with, you know, in, in a marital relationship or friendships? You know, do you really honor friendships and you have loyalty? in your friendships. You know, all of these types of things exist based on what we really believe. And we can't really define that or know that unless we can orient our place in the world based on our definition. And here is where postmodernism and destructionism rears its ugly head. It really destroys people because, you know, as I talk about this, you're probably thinking, oh, yeah, that's why de deconstructionists have such a hard time with relationships and everything else. First of all, they don't walk into the world with confidence. They tend to be suspicious and skeptical of everything. Right. right. And and that's what happens with postmodernism and deconstructionism is it undermines your capacity to actually clarify the meaning of your existence and adopt a healthy view of humanity. So it kind of stops that. You know, and this is where it really is. There's a there was an article written a while back by a gal by the name of Deb, uh, Deborah Cotts, and she writes about how happiness is critical to living longer and being healthier. And there's a couple things in there that that are really interesting. The first one is this. There's a professor at Harvard who teaches the most popular course at the university, and it's called how to be happy course. At Harvard. At Harvard. One of the prestigious schools. Yes. And it is, it is the most popular course. It's, uh, he is a psychologist by the name of Tal Ben-Shahar, which I have a feeling that is a Jewish name. I could be wrong. But uh, <laughs> he says this. He goes, the very first lesson in how to be happy is this. Embrace your failures and frustrations. And here's a quote. When you give yourself permission to be human, 
you are more likely to open yourself up to positive emotions. Hmm. So, so your definition of, well, what is a human, right? Now, if your definition of humanity is that, well, it's just materialism, you know, there is no free choice. There is no, you know, love is an illusion, all of these things. We're just stimulus response. That's it. And then we die and there's nothing else. Then free to be human means free to be a person without morals, without love, without honor, without anything. But if your definition is the biblical worldview of what it means to be human, then you can say, I'm created in the image of God. I am, I, there, there's, God wants to do great things through me, but I have this problem with sin that trips me up and messes me up and kind of perverts and ruins things every now and then. Well, then it's, I would agree with the psychologist, and that is, oh, if that's your definition of human, you have permission to be that. And that's the beauty of, of following Jesus is because Jesus never demands you be perfect. He, he just asks that you grow continually in repentance and a deeper love of him, right? right. And so... So the first step in happiness and joy in your own life is directly connected to your original question, and that is define the reason for your existence. And you can't do that apart from God. Only the biblical definition of what it means to be human works for us as human beings to discover authentic joy and happiness. So how is this all linked to authentic happiness? I mean, why do we have to define or clarify our core beliefs on what it means to be human and where I fit in the scheme of things? Well, yeah, that, that's a great question, and it goes even deeper. Uh, because what psychologists have shown, and this uh, article kind of uh, points it out, is that it says our moods can change day to day, hour to hour. And psychologists used to believe that life satisfaction levels remained stable, always returning to a set point. Like a nominal. Yeah, so it's a, it's a mean, you know. Right. It's not an average, but there's this mean. And what happens is if something bad happens, you drop below it, right? And right. you have despair, depression, or you're in a bad, your mood isn't very negative. But a little time goes by, what do you do? Come back up. You come back to the mean. Something really cool happens to you. And you're like, oh, I'm so excited. This is awesome. New opportunity or new this. What a blessing. Blah, 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 blah. But after a little bit of time, you come back to the mean, right? Uh, economists call this um, regression to the mean. And that is you always regress back to that standard set point or baseline. So the key then, once that happens, is that you can now... If you want to experience greater happiness and joy in your life, spend all your time trying to change your baseline, not try to avoid bad things and have more good things happen to you. Because if you have a lot of good things happen to you, what happens, you always regress where? To the mean, to the back mean, to the baseline. Right. So if you really want to be a joyful, happy person, what you do is you raise your baseline. And what's fascinating about that is this, is it is counterintuitive. Uh, the longest time I, you know, as a young man, believed that if I want to be happy, even as a Christian, I had to have more good things happen to me and avoid all the bad things, right? So what I did is I started putting all of my mental energy and my uh, attitudinal energy in avoiding bad stuff and making good things happen, right? Right. However, I didn't become a happier person, <laughs> which is really interesting. And that's because my baseline never changed. So I always regressed to it. When, 
what, what happens is if I counterintuitively say, I'm going to do what it says in the scriptures, and I'm going to define what it means to be a human being by how God operates my life, how God influences my life, ultimately believe what he says about my life instead of what I think or what I say about my life. That is the best way to change my baseline. See, so what happened is my baseline went up the more I listened to God and stopped listening to myself. So a person's baseline increases does that lessen the euphoria when something good happens or increase the despair when something bad happens? Like if you're moving this whole baseline, mm-hmm. you know, up, is that going to, you know, increase the adverse reactions of good or bad things? <laughs> well, that's that's a very insightful question. And this goes back to the original point of the podcast, and that is defining the reason for your existence and why human beings exist, because that is that what you just described is true in a zero sum game, right? Okay. In other words, you're on a basketball court and, you know, the basketball can only be in one spot at a time, right? Right. Okay. Well, a closed system means that if, if your choice of what it, you know, is secular and that's what secular humanism says, then I would have to say yes, because what's happening is as your baseline goes up, the upside, right, shrinks, right? right? And then the downside grows, right? Because your baseline's higher. But that's secular humanism thinking. If you have a biblical worldview, in other words, you believe what God says about you, right? What happens is I'm now created in the image of God. I'm not in a zero-sum game. There's no limit to the upside, right? There's no limit to your happiness. There's no limit to it. Uh, because we as get, we need to get your, your math nerd son who can actually give us <laughs> gra- I, graph. All I, know there, I know that there's a, a thing for like n- a non-limited top or something. Yes. He would have that yeah. word. You mean Lord Zachary yes, of Glencoe? Lord Zachary of well, Glencoe. Well, since you're a, a lord. Fellow, a fellow noble of the podcast. <laughs> yes. You two nobles can get together. <laughs> and, and he can, he can, he can tutor <laughs> yes. me on some math. You guys can. Yeah. Verbiage. But it's really interesting because you're not in a zero-sum game. So as your baseline goes up, the upside goes up, and so the exact opposite happens. When good things happen, they are even more joyful than before because your baseline is is higher, and your baseline allows you to practice gratitude. It gives you greater thanksgiving, you know, for what has happened. So your, your experience of that euphoria is even greater when your baseline goes up. You become more thankful and more happy in your mood as your baseline goes up. And then what it does is it reduces the impact of negative things. Because when bad things happen, your resiliency is so much higher. So you tend to have less downturn into despair. You go down and then you come out of it. And so the exact opposite happens when you use God's definition of what it means to be human as opposed to the secular definition of what it means to be human. And so it's pretty insightful what Paul's teaching us. Well, and it seems like the more we work on our baseline, the more exponential our joy can become. Mm -hmm. And so my next question is this. Does Paul give us any ideas or steps or uh, principles that we can embrace that actually change our baseline? Yeah. Oh, absolutely. And, and we're really going to dig into all of those over the course. But just to give you of this series over the entire uh, study of Philippians, it's just it's just 
peppered all the way throughout. Okay. And they're, they're very, very significant spiritual principles. But, but just to give some highlights here real quick, and that is, you know, the first thing you should do is pick your spiritual community with care. You know, if you don't have a spiritual community, guess what? Your baseline will never change. And so you got to have a spiritual community. You've got to have a discipleship relationship with somebody else, a mentoring relationship, a small group, something of that nature. And it needs to be something that is really a high priority in your life. Because if you want your baseline to change, you got to be in spiritual community. Yeah. And if, and then the next thing is, is that you better pick it well, because Paul says in Corinthians, you know, just being in community isn't good enough. You correct. have to make sure it's the right community. Bad company corrupts good morals. And if you go in here, it says one of the things that will influence you is if you hang around with a lot of negative, bitter, angry, unforgiving people, then what's that going to do to your baseline? Pull it down. It's going to pull it down. Yeah. So you want to be around a spiritual community that really lifts you and encourages you. That's really, really important. Um, uh, practice the principle of five. Uh, that is, is the more gratitude you express, the higher your baseline goes. And there's a direct correlation between the two. Uh, the principle of the five is something we've talked about on the podcast before mm-hmm. where you um, interact with at least five people, you reach out to them, disciple them, or even just check and check yeah. up on them and call mm-hmm. on them, but have an active impact over at least five people in your life. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's really simple. And that is write down five names of people that you want to bless. You, you can give them the gift of time. You can just send them, Hey, I appreciate you. And this is something I, I want to, you know, guys, you know, come on, grow a spine and start telling your friends you appreciate them. As C.S. Lewis would say, have a chest. Have a chest, man. Stick your chest out. Because it's really interesting, but, but, you know, women, you know, hey, send thank you notes. And they say to their friends, oh, I appreciate you so much. And so like, guys never do that. And that's why, guys, your baseline never grows, you bunch of <laughs> ding-dongs. That was pretty salty. There's the salty. They're salty. Yeah, it's like, oh, Quit whining and complaining and just get with the program. You know, write down the f- names of five friends and just say, say, hey, I appreciate your friendship in my life, you know. I mean, you don't have to give them a sloppy kiss. Just, <laughs> just hey, I appreciate you, you know. You've been a good friend to me. Um, you know, how can I, you know, bless you? What can I do for you, my friend? You know, if you have, guys, if you have friends in your life, the thing that you'll get, your baseline will go up. Your joy will go up. If you just say, Hey, I'm going to do something nice for my friends, you know? And like, you know, when you're young, you always know who your friends are when you have to move, right? Yep. Cause they're the ones that show up. <laughs> they're the ones that show up. Everybody else has an excuse. So that's called the attitude of gratitude. And the more you practice it, research says there's a direct causal link to your baseline. It will go up. The third thing is this, is uh, live sacrificially. And Paul will talk about this later. We'll talk about it. And that is the bottom line is people who tithe, who are regular givers to the Lord, are the happiest people in the world. Hmm. People who tithe are the happiest people in the world. That seems very counterintuitive. <laughs> yes, because their baseline is off the chart. You see, and that, that this is the deception of money, and that is 
uh, Satan deceives us about money in a couple ways because money is, you know, if we go back to what we talked about before in a zero sum game, if my existence is a secular humanist existence in I, I came, you know, into existence and then I die. I'm in a closed system. Then when I spend money on myself, I'll be happy. Right. The right. euphoria goes up, but you're in a zero sum game. And so what you're looking for is your baseline uh, will never change because you think money can make you happy. Right. right. And this is what's really interesting is that some people think the lack of money will make them happy. I think it's important to understand is that Jesus never said that being poor was noble or more spiritual. It just says there's always going to be poor people and how you treat them. Right. Is what's going to impact your baseline. Right. Right. So that's, that's what's really important to understand is that people who tithe are some of the happiest people in the world. And the reason why is because every time they give, what are they investing in the movement of their baseline? Right. And it's so counterintuitive. And uh, as you get older uh, and as you really grow to maturity, you really start to learn that more and more. And that is, I don't want to buy anything because, you know, you buy something, you just have to take care of it. And then you feel responsible for it. You don't feel happy anymore. But when you do something for your kids or your grandkids or other people, the reward and it's like, wow, my baseline is even happier. And then the final thing is this. uh, We'll talk about it is keep a record of blessing. You know, uh, there's an old hymn that my mama used to sing when I was a boy and I'd be in a sour mood and it was uh, count your many blessings, name them one by one, count your many blessings and see what God has done. Mm. And so she would sing that to me and I would go, I don't have any blessings. <laughs> and she'd go, well, what about me? And I go, well, I love my mom. My mom is a blessing. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> but, but. That that's true. You know, um, as a pastor, I get lots and lots and lots of emails. And I'd say the biggest chunk of emails is pastor. uh, I need help. You know, I have a question or, you know, my life needs guidance or whatever. That's the biggest chunk of emails you get, which are it's really rewarding when you can help people. You know, the Lord will speak or move through you to bless and help people. Uh, That's really rewarding. The second largest group of emails I get is. you're the worst thing since hurricanes, you know, or and there's there's not a lot of in between there. You're either. there's not a lot of in between there. No. Help me or stop yeah. talking altogether. You know, you're, yeah, you know, uh, you said this and it really offended me, and and so I, I you what I used to do is I used to go well what well how did you take what I said. And I would say 95% of the time is what they thought I said was the opposite of what I actually said. But I realized, you know, debating that or arguing that, you know, so generally, you know, if, if I'm in community with those people, I'd say, oh, I'm so sorry. Forgive me. You know, I didn't mean to offend you. Um, so, but the, but on rare occasions, people will write a note that just says, I appreciate you, pastor. You're, you're just, man, you have, if it wasn't for God using you at this moment in my life, I don't know what would have happened. My life, God just has transformed my life and he used you and spoke through you to do that. Those are the greatest 
letters and emails you ever get. They're, they're so rare and so valuable that I keep all of them. Oh, wow. <laughs> you awesome. know, I used to keep them in a file. Now they're mostly electronic. And then whenever I know what my baseline is and I'm below it, I just crack open my file and I just read a few, and man, I am back on track. That's awesome. So everybody should have a blessing file you, or a blessing thing where you take, uh, especially if you're a guy, see all your guy friends who are now going to send you a note and says, hey, you know, go eat a pizza on me because I appreciate your friendship. Or here, here you know, here's a you know, a gift or here's a, here's something because I appreciate your friendship, you know, uh, go back and read those things. And you're going to see your baseline go up and up and up. And what it does is it really opens up your heart and gets rid of the scales of your soul that Satan has packed on there and allows you to see and hear God's opinion of you. Right. Because that, that's why, you know, you see in the new Testament that, Jesus healed the blind, you know, and in one situation, the scales fell off of his eyes, which um, I believe that that actually happened physically. But it also shows us that what Satan is trying to blind us constantly to who we really are. What does it mean to be human? What is God really saying about us? And that all of those things are so critical in raising your baseline. Wow. Well, thank you so much for sharing all those. That is definitely, I'm definitely going to be working on raising my baseline now. (laughs) Raise my baseline. Um, But I'm excited to hear what you have to say on Sunday. Mm -hmm. We're starting the new series. Um, I know I'm really excited for it. And hopefully you guys will be able to join us. Those are live on our website or on our Facebook or Mm -hmm. YouTube. Mm -hmm. You guys can uh, join us for the first week of Hashtag Blast. Make sure you're leaving and sharing uh, this podcast with people. I think people really need, especially with all of the the unraveling of the world right now they need to know how they can be happy and this is starting steps of how you can do that so send this to your friends leave a Mm five-star review if you're on apple podcasts only because apparently nobody else believes in them (laughs) and uh we will see you guys on sunday here at foothills christian church all right blessings everyone